It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. If you haven't listened to this show by the time the Packers play the Raiders Thursday night in Canada, that's okay because uh, we are not going to spoil it. And this is not going to be... Uh, a show that only breaks down what we're going to see Thursday night. I have aggregated your questions from the Locked on Packers fan hotline, from Twitter, from Facebook, from everywhere you could send me questions. I have put together those questions. Some of them will be related to what happens tonight. As I record this, it will be tonight, uh, Thursday night in the game, but you may not be listening to it then. And so I wanted to make sure that this was as evergreen a content piece as it possibly could be. So you could listen at halftime. You could listen during the game, put the game on mute because the announcers, who knows what the announcers are going to be on whatever illegal stream you're using to watch the game or local broadcast, uh, hopefully, or or Game Pass or whatever you're using to, to watch the game. Uh you may you might not like the announcers, and so maybe Locked On Packers is a better option for you. But I, I've tried to do this for for your sake, and because there's been a lot of questions, and I wanted to answer them. There's some really interesting questions, some things that are materially important to the Packers preseason process. So let's start here. Hey Peter, huge fan of the podcast here. Saw a report of Jimmy Grab running into the Hudson with a hand, finger, thumb. Any news on this yet? Any worry about the future of his health? Okay, related question from Tarek Scott. Tariq, I don't, I'm sorry. It's T A R E K, I think. Tarek? Tarek Scott, any chance we cut Mercedes Lewis if Tanyan is blocking well and catching passes? Here is the question that I think ties these two together from Robbie Ash, also on Twitter. Who is the surprise cut? That could happen before week one. The tight end personnel grouping fascinates me. Because Jimmy Graham is going to be on the team. If they were going to cut Jimmy Graham, they would have done it 
already. I posed a rhetorical question about the tight end group uh, about a month ago. And I said, you know, which of these guys are you going to cut? And I was I was trying to prove a point, uh, a point that a lot of people did not quite understand that I was trying to make, which, you know, fine. Uh, but a lot of people said that they would cut Jimmy Graham. Well, here's the problem. They're not going to cut Jimmy Graham. If they were going to cut Jimmy Graham, the prudent thing would have been to do it before he was due a roster bonus. They're keeping Jimmy Graham. He is going to be a primary target on this team. But what is really particularly interesting to me is how much Big Bob Tanyan has excelled as a slot receiver. The second most slot reps in the preseason through two games. He has been a move tight end. He's been the move tight end of record in the preseason. Now, part of that is because Jimmy Graham is a veteran player and you're not going to see him a lot. But Aaron Rodgers has praised his progress. The coach has noticed his progress. He has clearly made uh, some strides as a blocker. And what we need to see now is, can you continue to be a guy who can, can beat teams in both facets? Because Mercedes Lewis is still one of the best blocking tight ends in football. But if you're going to keep Jimmy Graham, which is just, we have to think of it as as sunk cost at this point the Packers have made that decision they've made that they've made that bed and they have chosen to lie in it so there's nothing we can do about that so if we assume that that is just done okay then what do you do from there someone like Tanyan if he can do both if you have two guys who can be moved tight ends even if one is not a great blocker that is more beneficial to your passing game than if you have two tight ends, only one of whom is really capable of playing that move tight end for you. Rob Tanyan, Big Bob, is a more adept receiving threat than Mercedes Lewis. The complicating factor in all of this is the injury to Jay Sternberger, who was back on the field. Sternberger, you guys, I promise I'm going to get this right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in my brain that way. I don't know what to tell you. It, it's just, I don't know. I can't, I can't shake it. I can't shake it. Uh, Jace Sternberger. He's never going to come on the show if I can't get his name right. I mean, I got to figure this out. Uh, he is back practicing, but is not going to play on Thursday, tonight, depending on when you're listening to this, obviously. He is going to play, hopefully, in week four of the preseason, assuming no complications from the concussion protocol uh, which he's gone through and it sounds like he's progressing through that in a positive way doesn't mean he's going to play in, in the preseason but you know you, you want to see him out there this is similar to what happened with Oren Burks last year you know some early some early signs of progress and then he gets hurt and that delays the progress of the player middle linebacker is very similar to tight end in that it can take rookies some time to adjust to that position because there's so much more information that you have to process. To be a signal caller as a rookie linebacker is a pretty major responsibility, and it's not something that everyone can handle. To be a tight end in the NFL right away, to learn all the protections, all the blocking schemes, all the routes, all the calls, all the hot routes, all the adjustments, all, all of that stuff, it's a lot. And we don't know if he's ready to do it. The injury... Had he gone through training camp normally and been able to play in the preseason, maybe they would have seen enough. And you couple that with Tanyan's progress. 
and Jimmy Graham's salary, and you say, well, Mercedes Lewis, it's been fun, but it's time to move on. I don't think they're in a position to do that now. But what I what I mentioned recently on Twitter is, you know, there is a, a, a potential scenario, and I mentioned IR, but, you know, Mercedes Lewis has to be hurt enough to be on IR, or at least hurt in some way, that if he was out the first eight weeks, maybe that would be a blessing in disguise for the Packers because it would allow them to play Tanyan and it would force them to bring in Jay Sternberger at various times to play in three tight end stats. You probably want to give Graham and or Tanyan uh, breathers at times and, and you would give Sternberger the opportunity to get some reps, to make some progress, to do some stuff. And then for the stretch run, the weather starts to turn and all of a sudden Mercedes Lewis comes onto the field and is your blocking tight end and you grind teams in the run game. The The injury to Sternberger complicates my answer to the surprise cut because Lewis would have been a candidate there. I think he's still a potential candidate. Depending on what they want to do with receiver, if they feel like Darius Shepard and Trevor Davis both have to make this team, that would be a place they could potentially cut. If they don't feel good enough about someone like Dexter Williams and they keep, you know, let's say Trey Carson, maybe you, maybe you, you know, you, you cut Dexter Williams and you keep Mercedes Lewis. I, there, there are so many machinations here that it's hard to keep track. The, the veteran that seems most likely to get the ax, though, is Lewis because of their potential options there. I don't think Lane Taylor is an option. I think even if they decide Elton Jenkins is going to be the starting left guard, that that you keep Lane Taylor because he's on a reasonable contract and provides critical depth for your offensive line. He can play guard. He can play tackle. You can't you can't trust Cole Madison to that spot. You can't trust Justin. You really cannot trust Justin McRae to that spot. He's the only guy on the team really who can who can be your swing tackle. I mean, Billy Turner in some ways is their swing tackle. But then if Billy Turner has to play tackle, then you need a guard. That's where Lane Taylor comes in. So I don't see that either. I really, frankly, don't see a surprise veteran cut this year if it's not Lewis. Because I don't know, I I just don't know where they can afford to get rid of veteran talent. Mike Daniels was the surprise veteran cut, guys. That was it. It's happened already. And the Packers are going to play a ton of 21 personnel. They're going to play a ton of two-back sets with uh, Danny Vitale or Bohannon, whoever is healthy enough to start the season. That's who they're going to have on the field uh, with, with the other back. And I think they're going to run a lot of offense out of two receiver sets with a running back and a fullback. So maybe they decide, okay, maybe keep two fullbacks and, and cut Mercedes Lewis. Because he's not going to be a factor in the passing game, or at least a big one. But Vitaly can be. Maybe that's the thinking. And that's potentially interesting thinking. I'm, I'm, I don't think that's crazy. I think Mercedes Lewis can be used effectively in this offense. I think his connection to Nathaniel Hackett, his veteran leadership and presence, are all factors that need to be taken into account. But I don't think it should surprise anyone if he ends up on the chopping block simply because there are other players who can do some of the things that he is able to do, and that makes him valuable to the Packers. 
David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats. You can pick from main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, let's get to this question here. Hey, Peter, this is Noah from Kansas City, Missouri. Do you think because the Packers have, haven't made the playoffs the last two years and the new head coach, fans are overanalyzing being hypocritical, eh, hypocritical too, let's be honest, of everything they see in training camp and preseason, big fan of the show. Noah, I think fans are hypercritical and overanalyze everything every offseason. That's just the nature of being a fan. Fan is short for fanatic. And I don't begrudge anyone for doing that. I, I think it is, by very definition, being hypercritical is being overly critical. Uh, overanalyzing is, by definition, overanalyzing. It is analyzing too much. But if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. I think Noah's on to something here, though. The pressure is on. And Rob Domofsky wrote about this in a piece for, for ESPN uh, the other day, and he mentioned Mark Murphy being under the gun a little bit because it was his call to fire Mike McCarthy. It was his call to elevate Brian Gutekunst over Ted Thompson, and it was his call ultimately to hire Matt LaFleur. He has clearly taken a more hands-on approach to football operations. If this doesn't work out, it's on him, and there's more pressure on him to do it. The fact that there have been all of these changes, there's no question it ramps up the pressure on the team to succeed. And I think it ramps up the scrutiny. Anytime you make these kinds of big changes, even if they were warranted changes, and I think if you asked fans around Cheesehead Nation, they would say, yeah, I wanted Mike McCarthy gone. Or, yeah, I felt like Ted Thompson no longer was in step with 
the NFL and, and best practices. Even though that could be true, the fact that these changes have been made, now you expect, you expect an increase in performance. If you drive a Honda Civic and you turn, and no, no offense to Honda, I drove a Honda Civic back in the day. But if you, if you drive a Honda Civic and you return it to the dealership when your lease is up, let's say, and you get a BMW, you expect that BMW to outperform your Honda Civic. And it's not going to get better gas mileage, but you expect it to handle better. You expect it to accelerate faster. You expect it to make you look cooler. And it will do that. But, but you, you have an expectation when you upgrade. The Packers made these moves because they felt like they were upgrading, right? That's the only reason you make these moves. You fire Mike McCarthy because you think you can get a better coach. You demote Ted Thompson and promote Brian Gutekinds because you think he's going to do a better job. That's the only reason you do it. You don't do it just to do it. You don't do it to be a lateral move. You do it because you think it's going to be better. So if things aren't better, it is reasonable, in my opinion, to be critical of those moves. So, yes, this has ramped up the pressure and fans are more critical than they would otherwise be. And they are analyzing things closer than they would otherwise analyze them. Is that wrong considering the moves that were made? I don't think so. I think we have to take into account the context here. And and look, we always have to take into account the context. But the fact that the Packers have made enormous, monumental decisions when it comes to these kinds of personnel moves. New GM, that is a new direction for the franchise. New head coach, that too is a new direction for the franchise. You cannot make a bigger turn in the direction of your franchise, especially if you are the Green Bay Packers where you do not have an owner. There can be no ownership change. You cannot make a bigger turn in your franchise than turning over your GM and your head coach. So expecting better results from those people is not unreasonable. If you fire two people, you're a boss, okay? You run a hot dog stand. Let's just make that really simple. You, you, you run a banana stand, arrested development style. There's always money in the banana stand. And you have two people that are not doing their jobs up to par. And you fire them. You expect the people that you hire to do a better job. And if they don't, you're going to be upset about it. And yeah, if the last two people who did their jobs you had to fire because they were not doing a good enough job, you're going to have a little bit closer eye on these new people because you want to see that improvement. You need to see that improvement. You've staked your business on it. The Packers have staked their business on Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur. It is reasonable for there to be amplified pressure on them to succeed. So, yes, do I think that, that Packer fans are overanalyzing and being hypercritical? Yes, I do. And are they being more critical than they probably should be? Yes, I think they are. Is it in a vacuum unreasonable 
for the expectations for Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur to be raised relative to their predecessors, given what transpired to bring them into positions of power? I don't think so. I really don't. All right, I teased this question yesterday, and I want to I want to be considerate of it and and give it the thought that it deserves because it's a it's a well thought out question, it's a well asked question, and you know clearly um, you know they 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 took the time to craft this. There's some takes in here for sure, but I, I want to answer it because I, I don't think the only person who feels this way is Josh in Denver. I think more people feel this way than just Josh. Hi, Peter. Yesterday, Coach Patton stated that after two preseason, preseason games, Rashawn Gary is, quote, right where they want him to be, end quote. I find this hard to believe since Gary played three quarters against Baltimore and did not appear on the stat sheet. However, from all accounts, Gary has been a monster on the practice field in camp. There was the knock on Gary at Michigan. He was an All-American in practice and then would disappear in games. The film never lies, and the film at Michigan leading up to the draft showed Gary getting handled by one-on-one blocking time and again. I honestly hope the guy becomes the next Lawrence Taylor or, at worst, the next Clay Matthews, but the disparity between who Gary reportedly is at practice and the player he is on game day is starting to become more pronounced. Rashawn Gary is a rookie, and most rookies are not good, but to simply disappear on the game field time again is quite ominous. Three years from now, do you think we'll be, we will be talking about Rashawn Gary as a Tony Mandrich-type bust, a Devontae Adams-level boom, or will he annoyingly be on NFL ESPN highlights only when he feels like it? All right, a couple things just at the outset. We are not going to pronounce Rashawn Gary anything at this point, and we certainly are not going to invoke the name of Tony Mandrich, the biggest bust in NFL history. No matter what, if Rashawn Gary never plays an NFL game, he is not as big a bust as Tony Mandrich. Okay, let's get that right off the bat. This other thing about highlights only when he feels like it. We need to throw that narrative away. He is not a hustle problem. He plays with effort at all times. He does. He plays his ass off. And he practices hard. Guys who practice hard don't just not show up in games. It's just not a thing. Anyone who's ever been on a team sport, who's ever played anything ever, you do not have to have played in the NFL to have some perspective on this. You've never played with someone who practiced their tail off and loafed in games. It's never happened. Now, you've, you've certainly been on teams, if you've been on teams, with people who are the other way around. They loaf in practice and then play their hearts out in games. It, there, is, there is just no, there is no explanation for this, this idea that he would be great in practice and not, and not play hard in the games. You could be good in practice and not be good in games. That's a different question. I don't think the narrative at Michigan was that he was an all-world practice player and a bad game player. And as I mentioned yesterday, go ask his defensive coordinator how he was in games and what he was asked to do. That's an important question. I don't think the tape says he was blocked one-on-one consistently. He was a monster in the run game consistently. Pro Football Focus rated him as one of the five best run defenders in college football last year. He's a monster in the run game. 
Does he have work to do as a pass rusher? Yeah, he does. And the Packers understand that. He's learning a new position. He's playing a new kind of football. And what Mike Patton has said about him is that they want to give him as many reps as possible at outside linebacker because it's a new position to him. And then once the regular season comes around, they're going to narrow his focus to cater to his skill set. So I think even though we haven't seen him as a, as a hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman yet, he's going to be there. He's going to play some three-technique in pass-for situations. He's going to play some five-technique in pass-for situations. And he's going to play outside linebacker. The reason he's doing that so much now is because he has to learn how to play outside linebacker. So you can be disappointed he hasn't had a bigger impact in the games. But you look at that joint practice with the Texans. He was outstanding in that joint practice. They were trying to block him, okay? And in practice, when the Packers offensive linemen are trying to block him, they are trying to block him. They are trying to win jobs too. And he plays well. The difference in the game is he's playing a new position. And in practice, when you're going one-on-one, your only responsibility is to beat that guy. In the game, your responsibilities are myriad. And so you, you can't just say, well, I'm just, I just got to beat this guy. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to do a lot more than that. So I, I have insisted that while I had my questions about this pick at the time, I have also made my case for the pick. And I have laid out the Packers' case for the pick and how they feel about it and their plan with Rashawn Gary and why Packer fans should be excited about Rashawn Gary. I want to reemphasize this idea that it is going to take time for him because he is learning to play a new position. But I also think it's important that we hold off judging him, even as a rookie, until the regular season because his role is going to be different. Mike Patton understands this is a work in progress. And yes, he's going to get outside linebacker reps in the pros in the regular season, even though he didn't really do that in college very often. But he's also going to do other things that are more suited to his skill set. And I promise you, he will show up in the stat sheet when he does that. Home. You were a lot more than just a home this year. Thank you for letting me eat all those meals at my desk or take all those morning meetings from bed. Make the office chair my midday nap spot, our area rug my yoga mat, and our closets into storage for all our anxiety shopping. Yeah, you wore a lot of hats. Well, we mostly wore sweatpants, which now have their very own dresser drawer thanks to you. I know it wasn't always great. We accidentally killed a lot of plants, learned a lot of really bad dance moves. Relearned a lot of fourth grade math, spent a whole month rearranging the office furniture every day, but you always gave us space to sleep it off. So thank you, home. At IKEA, we think home deserves more credit for staying organized even when life is messy, for keeping us energized, for boosting our calm. Home does a lot for you, which is why we want to do more for your home. Find new home office, bedroom, and organization solutions at IKEA. 
Hey everybody, this is Jason Buckland, and let me welcome you back to our podcast, In Conversation with Shopify Plus. Now, season one was all about the biggest names in business. Steve Madden, Danny Reese, Chip Wilson. But wait till you hear who we're talking to now for season two. Philip Prim, CEO, Casper. Webb Smith, founder, 2PM. Kyle Kadakia, founder, ClassPass. Heather Hassan, Trina Spear, co-founder, co-CEO, Thanks. Chris Saka, co-founder, Lower Carbon Capital. R-E-L-K, CEO, Parachute. This is In Conversation with Shopify Plus. All right, I want to end on this because it's related, somewhat related to our conversation yesterday and is related to the game tonight. So if you've already seen it, you already know what Aaron Rodgers did or didn't do. Thanks for coming. We appreciate you and we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Got a mailbag question. Do you think the pack could be hiding Rodgers for the preseason so early opponents don't have much tape on him in the new scheme. It makes sense to me considering they're not showing a lot of pre-snap motion. Thanks, Carl from Boise. This is not a crazy take from Carl from Boise. I don't even think it's it's a little crazy. And it's not just Rodgers. Because they could be running the full gamut of the offense with Deshaun Kaiser if they wanted to. It's in. It's installed. When Deshaun Kaiser plays with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and, and the full complement of offensive linemen... All those guys know the offense. Everything's installed. They know it. Matt LaFleur could call it. If they wanted to run jet motion, if they wanted to run some some sort of interesting stack motion, if they wanted to run orbit motion, if they wanted to run, you know, bunch into a receiver screen, into a, a receiver pass, they could do that. They're not going to do that in the preseason. Yes, Green Bay is saving its stuff for the regular season. The reason we haven't seen anything that unique and different in the preseason is because the Packers want to maintain this advantage of the unknown for the same reason that Matt Nagy didn't show much last year in the preseason. We saw some, plenty of unscouted looks. Week one, week one is always the time for the most unscouted looks. But basically all the looks we're going to see from the Green Bay Packers are going to be unscouted because we've never seen this offense before. And it's going to be different than what we saw in the preseason. And Aaron Rodgers makes it different. And so if we never see Aaron Rodgers in the preseason and we never see the full offense in the preseason, then yeah, you have no idea as Chuck Pagano trying to scheme and game plan for the, for the Green Bay Packers in week one, what's coming? Ditto for Mike Zimmer and the defensive staff in Minnesota for week two. And then, you know, by week three, things start to normalize. And so, okay, everyone has seen a little bit of it, or at least, you know, has an idea of what's going on, and this is what it's going to be. But yeah, there is an element of surprise here, and Green Bay is going to use it to its advantage. Absolutely. But so are the Bears. So are the Bears, and so are the Vikings. And so is every team in week one, week two, week three, really the whole first month. You've got a ton of unscouted looks, and and every team has, uh, you know, a back pocket full of plays that they can bring out at any time that no one's seen. You make know, Mike McCarthy maybe be exception, but <laughs> Matt Lafleur is going to have those plays. I'm telling you, those plays are coming. It it doesn't have to be a strategy of trying to hide Rodgers, but absolutely it is true that the Packers not playing Rodgers, or even if they played Rodgers, they could just run vanilla stuff, that him in the preseason is not going to show 
the Bears or the Vikings or, you know, the Cowboys in week four or the Broncos. It's not going to show them much that they can use in the regular season. Not anything they didn't already know was coming. Because the vanilla stuff you run in preseason is pretty basic concepts, stuff everybody runs, or stuff that's been on tape in Tennessee or in Los Angeles or in Atlanta. They know it's coming. But it's the way you dress it up. It's the way you sequence it. It's the way that that you hide it. That's all part of the deal. That's all part of what makes Matt LaFleur's offense interesting and different and difficult to defend. So uh, we're going to be back tomorrow to talk about it. Maybe Aaron Rodgers plays, maybe he doesn't. And we'll, we'll talk about no matter what, what happens. And then we'll be back next week for a whole bunch more conversations. We'll have to have Jason Hershorn on the show. We've got a couple rookie orientations. Uh, Ross Uglum from Cheesehead TV and the Bison Report is going to be here for a rookie orientation on Darius Shepard. Get a little bit of background on him, a guy who is on his way to making this 53-man roster. We also are going to have Jeff Brisden to come in and talk about Kadar Holman uh, and his rookie orientation process. So a lot still to come before final cuts and then week one. We are almost there. We really are almost there. Uh, As of today, it's two weeks away, if my math is right. I'm not great with math, but I think that's the math. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow to, to recap everything that happened in Packers Raiders and push forward we got a lot to talk about before week one starts and we're going to get to all of it remember you can follow me on twitter at peter underscore bukowski you can follow the podcast on twitter at locked on packers like us on facebook subscribe to the podcast on itunes on spotify on google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts you will find locked on packers leave us a review on itunes a rating with five stars. If you're not going to leave five stars, you know, leave the rating out. That's fine. We'll talk about it later. And anytime you want to be a part of a show like this one, you can by hitting us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.